Last week we heard about Philip, that's where we encountered Philip. He, he began his mission into Samaria and, and um, see in Jerusalem the Christians were being thrown into jail and some were being executed and so they fled for their lives. And wherever they went they took the gospel with them and that's what Philip did there. He, he went into Samaria and he told the Samaritans about Jesus. And of course they responded to that and, and they believed in Jesus and that's what we talked about last week. But this week I want to concentrate on two things about Philip. Philip listened to God and Philip was obedient to God. There's a man once and he's walking along through the mountains enjoying the scenery. Anyway, he wandered a little bit too close to the edge of a cliff and he fell off. And as he falls off this cliff he desperately reaches out and grabs hold of whatever he can and he finds himself clinging to a branch of a little shrub growing out from the side of the cliff and there's no way that he can get up to the top and down the bottom about 200 metres would be certain death. And so, well, what am I going to do? Help! Help! No answer. Is anyone up there? And this voice says, Yes, I'm up here. Who is it? It's the Lord. Can you help me? Yes, I can help you. Well, well help me then. Let go of the branch. What? Let go of the branch and I will catch you. Ah. Is there anybody else up there? You see, there's two parts to it. There's recognising God's voice and it's being obedient to what God says. So, how do we know when God is speaking? Uh, well, for Philip, it began with a word from an angel and that would be pretty convincing, wouldn't it? I mean, okay, well, if an angel comes and delivers a message to you, I think you'd be pretty well convinced, well, okay, this is a message from God. Um, Anyway, so verse 26 says, An angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes from Jerusalem to Gaza. Now, if I was Philip, at about that stage I'd say, Why? Okay, I'm hearing you, but what, what, what do you want me to do when I get there? What do I need to take when I go? Is it going to be cold? Do I need a jumper? Or, yeah, we, we, we want to know everything, don't we? Um, but that's, that's all he said. That was all God said and, and that's what he had to go with. He had to go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So there's all sorts of ways that God speaks. God might speak to you through the Bible. He might speak to you through an, in, an intense feeling that you get, maybe during a time of prayer. Um, God speaks through dreams and visions. God speaks through other Christians God speaks through circumstances that, that might seem to be coincidences, but the more and more I'm going through life, I'm realising that when it comes to God, there's no such thing as coincidences. They're what we call God incidences. Um, but in every case, it's the Spirit of God showing you, that in some, showing you in some way that you are to do a particular thing or take particular action. And sometimes it might seem like the, the, the most unlikely instruction I think, well, God, why are you telling me to go there? Why would God want me to do that? But the important thing that I want us to learn here is, even if you don't know what it's about, go with it. 
if you feel that the Lord is saying something to you, no matter how unlikely it seems or no matter how strange it might be for you, go with it. Yeah, it might disrupt your day. Uh, Yep, you might even feel a little bit silly doing it. Yes, you may even get it wrong. But often, it'll be exactly the right thing to do. One day I had an intense feeling that I had to ring someone, somebody that I hadn't seen for many years. I used to work with him. He was a rough, godless, hard-drinking, swearing boilermaker. And I had no idea why, um, but I just had this intense feeling that I had to ring this fella. So I rang him up. G'day, how you going? It was all a bit strange, yeah, because I hadn't talked to this fella for many years. And um, anyway, we talked for a while and of course I'm trying to feel him out as to the reason of, well, why is God wanting you to ring this fella? And I just couldn't, couldn't come up with anything. So eventually I just blurted it out. I said, well, look, Danny, this might sound a bit strange to you, but um, I just had an intense feeling that God wanted me to ring you. What's going on in your life? What, what, what's happening? Anyway, he said, well, everything's just normal, really. And, and it just, just it, we couldn't come up with any reason why God might have wanted me to ring him. Um, apart from the fact that he needs saving, of course, but he obviously didn't get saved that day. But a couple of years later, I ran into him again and, and he brought it up. And he'd actually really been touched by that. The fact that, that I felt that strongly that God was saying to, to ring this fellow and that I actually did it. Um, so even a couple of years later, it, was, it still had a profound impact on his life. Um, to my knowledge, he still hasn't come to the Lord. But anyway, I consider this incident as one of those th- things where I think, oh, maybe I didn't get it right after all. I don't know where the feeling came from. I don't, don't know what it was about. But then I think, well, maybe God hasn't finished with him yet. Um, and well, what, what, what harm was there in going with that, in ringing this fellow and saying, hey, listen, what's going on in your life? What, why would God be interested in you at the moment? But for every story like that, where I reckon that I might have got it a bit wrong, there are several where going with it was exactly the right thing to do. And some of you have shared with me times when you've just had this feeling from God that you need to ring someone or or you need to go and visit somebody or, or talk to them about something and it's been exactly the right thing to do. And I'm seeing a few nods of a few heads as I've said that. Around about five years ago, I had an intense feeling that I had to go to a certain Christian conference down in Sydney. Now, I just saw this advertised and, and um, on a random website that somebody had sent me to and I have no idea why I even went to it. Um, but as soon as I saw it, I just knew that I had to go to that conference down in Sydney. So I drove all the way to Sydney and while I was there, I was really inspired by the really good Bible teaching and, and the men of faith who were not only leading it, but, but who had gone along there and uh, people who I was able to talk to at lunchtimes and everything. I was just really inspired by it. But I still came away thinking, well, that was all very good and nice, but I don't really know why God took me there. Because I had no idea what the conference was about before I went and by the time I finished I realised it was all about church planting. And I had no ambition to do any church planting. I had no plans for planting any churches. I mean, I was part of a church. And I was a, had uh, in St George and I, and I knew that God was wanting me to stay in St George. So I put that one down as to, well, that was obviously a mistake. I mean, why, why would God have wanted me to go to a thing of church planting? And what's he got us doing now? 
we've planted a bunch of churches in, in the district. Uh, you see, even back then, God knew what he was going to be doing with us. And he was preparing us even back then, years ago, uh, for what's happening now. So what about you? What about the times when you felt out of the blue that God's saying, go and visit so-and-so, ring up so-and-so? Um, yeah, and it was probably at the most inconvenient time. This is the thing I've noticed about God. He directs us to do stuff when it's sometimes the most inconvenient time. Now, you know why that is? It's because we fill up our lives so much with ourselves. And so much with, with all of our own plans and ideas and ambitions, any time that God chooses is going to be an inconvenient time. It's either when I've got to go to work or it's when I want to watch the telly or it's when I want to uh, go and play footy or it's where I want to watch the footy or when it's when I want to go to bed. Or It's always going to be an inconvenient time. It might have been an in- interruption to all of the plans that you've made for the day. But did you go with it? I know there's been times when I've felt a strong urging from God to, to go and share with somebody about Jesus and I've fought it valiantly. Has anyone here ever fought those urges valiantly? Oh, I might be the only one. Okay, there's my confession for the day. Um, but have you gone with it? And when you did, wasn't it exactly the right thing to do? It always is. If you ever sense that God is saying to you, go to such and such a place, well, do it. Go with him on it, even if you don't know why. Because God will rarely tell you why. He'll, he'll just tell you to do it, and he's wanting us to be obedient to that. So this angel tells Philip to go out into this unlikely desert road. Now, If Philip was working to modern day church growth principles, he would have straight away conducted a survey and he would do it to analyse and he would have analysed the census data and he would have come up with a plan as to how to engage the transient community that would be frequenting that road. That's the, and in a way that which is non-confrontational and culturally sensitive. Now that's the modern church growth way of doing things. But that's not God's way. And that's not what Philip did. Philip went God's way. God's way, he went there and then he just watched. And he waited. And he continued to listen to the Lord. And along comes this chariot uh, and its passenger is an Ethiopian eunuch of all people. Now, I'm going to digress a little bit. A few weeks ago we talked about the diaspora. Uh, what's the diaspora? It literally means the scattered ones. The Jews who had scattered out from the Holy Land. Uh, And many of these had followed the trade routes and wherever they went, they would tend to stick together. They'd form a synagogue in a certain city and a Jewish community had spring up around it and the Jews were great evangelists. We don't often think that about the Jews, do we? But they were. Um, They wouldn't only keep their own faith in the one true God, they'd invite other people to come to know God as well. Now, we don't think of Jews like that, but that's the way they were. 
And one of the regions where this diaspora could be found was a long way off in a place called Ethiopia. Now, it's not the Ethiopia that we know today, but it's only right next door. And if you have a look at the next map that we got up on the screen, yep. Um, the coloured areas, oh, sorry, no, I went too early, didn't I? Now, go back, sorry. Why are you laughing at me? The coloured areas are the places where the Jewish communities could be found at the time of Christ. Uh, And you'll notice there that they populated the the delta of the Nile and then they followed upstream of the Nile following, following the riches that could be found in the Nile. Now what the Bible refers to as Ethiopia was actually the Nubian kingdom whose capital is Moreau, uh, it's south of Egypt and it's part of what is today called Sudan. And because they evangelised, it wasn't only the Jews who travelled there, it was also the local converts as well. People who look just like today's Sudanese. Now you've been to Toowoomba, haven't you? And you see the Sudanese walking down the street, don't you? Now, we don't tend to picture people as dark as this being the Jews, but they were. These guys had been converted to being Jews into the Jewish faith. And so along comes this chariot with this Ethiopian official and God speaks to Philip. And we're not told how God speaks to Philip this time. The first time God spoke to him through an angel. Not told how it happened this time. But some years ago, uh, a bunch of us here have done a Bible study called Experiencing God, Knowing and Doing the Will of God. And something that we learned is God is always at work. He's always at work around us. And all we have to do is watch with our spiritual eyes and with our senses attuned to God's spirit, asking ourselves a question, well, well God, what, what are you doing? Of course, in that we're not just asking ourselves, we're asking God. God, what are you doing here where I am right now and how do you want me to join you in that? And the Spirit told Philip, and we don't know how, but from my experience it could have just been an intense feeling in his spirit, but the Spirit told him to go over to near this chariot and stay near it. And so he did. Now, that's, that doesn't, that's not really asking too much, is it? That's not too embarrassing or too confrontational, is it? He just wanders over to near this chariot and just stays near it and he's still watching for his opportunity. And as soon as he gets over near that, to that chariot, straight away he knows why God's told him to do that. Now, I can only imagine what mixed emotions this Nubian official must have had. This man had been converted to being a Jew and he had just made a religious pilgrimage to the holy city of his new faith. Now that's a big deal. He had travelled a tremendous distance to get down from there, down in southern, south of Egypt, right up to Jerusalem. And you can imagine the expectations that this fellow must have had. What kind of religious encounter do you think this fellow would have been expecting to have in this holy city of Jerusalem after he'd travelled all of this way up to, to this place? But he came away from Jerusalem confused. Why? 
Well, I don't know what he'd been taught. Now, I don't know what he was expecting when he arrived in Jerusalem. But he came away confused. Why? In his own nation, he was very highly regarded. He was the treasurer to the Queen, no less. You know, he was like Joe Hockey is to Tony Abbott, or maybe a better analogy would be to say, say he was like Wayne Swan was to Queen Julia. Okay? He was the treasurer. He was very high up in that country. And he worked very closely with Candace, the Queen of his nation, and there's his problem. Any high-ranking official, or any man for that matter, working closely with the Queen had to be castrated. Now, that's what it means to be a eunuch. So a ram becomes a weather, a bull becomes a steer, a a stallion becomes a gelding, a rooster becomes a capon, a boar becomes a barra, and a man becomes a eunuch. And you think your employer puts demands on you. Hey? Anyway, there's his problem. Because he'd been castrated, he was not allowed into the temple. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 1 says, No one who has been emasculated by crushing or cutting may enter the assembly of Yahweh. That's the rule. He wasn't allowed in the temple. So, we don't know what expectations he had when he headed off to go on this this religious pilgrimage. But one thing we can be certain of is when he got there, when he got to Jerusalem, he was not even allowed into the temple. I reckon that would be a pretty big disappointment after travelling all of that way to go and worship God in the holy city. There were religious barriers which would have truly cut him off from coming to God. And when Philip happened upon him, he was reading from the prophet Isaiah. And I don't don't think there's any coincidence in this where he is reading. I reckon this is definitely the activity of God. This is what he is reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken away from the earth. Of course we know that this passage is talking about Jesus. Um, and Philip, knowing that God had sent him to this man for a reason, well, there's, there's the opening for him. Hey, this fellow's searching for God. And there's me opening. So he says to him, do you understand what you're reading? No, I don't. I'm confused. I need someone to explain it. You see, when God is already at work in someone's heart, Sometimes all it takes is for us to be obedient and to help them to see and understand what God is already saying to them. And that's what Philip did. The eunuch wanted to know, who's the prophet talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about somebody else? Now, I wonder, maybe the eunuch might have been thinking, is he talking about me? Is this a message from God about me? I mean, see, the eunuch would have been humiliated. Here he was, this, this important official, a man who all doors opened to him in, the, in, in his home country. And yet he goes to the temple and he wasn't allowed in. You're not an entire man. You, you, you can't come in here. 
he had been deprived of justice. He would never have any children. He would die. He would leave the earth having never fathered a child. Could it be talking about him? So he says, who's he talking about? Is he talking about himself or is he talking about someone else? And then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. And he wouldn't have had to go very far. It'd be probably only a foot or two further into the scroll of Isaiah come some of the most important words that this eunuch could ever hear. In Isaiah 56 it says, Let no foreigner who has bound himself to Yahweh say, Yahweh shall surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I'm only a dry tree. For this is what Yahweh says, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name, better than sons and daughters. Can you imagine how this would be talking to this fellow? I mean, he's just been excluded from the temple. And here's this, only a foot or two further in from where he is reading, talking about how he can come to worship God in his temple. And foreigners who bind themselves to Yahweh to serve him, to love the name of Yahweh and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Can you imagine what those words would have meant to this man? Philip started with where he was and then he took him to share with him about Jesus Christ. And this very passage is fulfilled in Jesus Christ. You see, that Ethiopian eunuch, he was excluded. He was excluded because he was a foreigner and he was excluded because he was a eunuch. But now in Jesus Christ, Jesus has taken that upon himself and he's not excluded any longer. Now, we don't know if Philip took the eunuch to Isaiah chapter 56 or not. But I certainly wouldn't be surprised if he had because it is so close to it. We're told that Philip began with the very passage of scripture that he is at and told him the good news about Jesus. And the eunuch believed and was baptised with much joy. Now, there'd have to be some joy in that, wouldn't there? You've been excluded, but now you're finding out, hey, Christ, Christ is the one who's taken all this. I don't have to be excluded anymore because he was the one who's thrown outside of the sea. So he believed and he's baptised with much joy. You know, one of the first regions that the Christian church really grew and flourished was in the region from Egypt to Ethiopia. It's what is today called the Coptic Church. You may hear a little bit about the Coptic Church on the news at the moment because the Coptic Christians are being severely persecuted uh, by the Muslims. 
But they were there a long, long time before Islam was even invented. And tradition has it that this church was begun through the witness of this very same eunuch. All because Philip listened to God and was willing to interrupt his own plans and when God spoke, he went with it. Imagine if we were to do the same. Imagine if when God gives us an urging to ring someone, we actually rang them. Imagine if when God gives us an urging to visit somebody or to strike up a conversation with a colleague or, or even to strike up a conversation with a stranger, imagine if we actually did it. Imagine if when God gives us a prompting, hey, you've actually got to take this further. You, you need to ask them a spiritual question or share with them a spiritual truth. Imagine if we actually did it. Imagine if we weren't afraid and, and and if our fear didn't keep us silent, just in case we got a little bit wrong. Imagine if we were prepared to be just that little bit embarrassed to share with somebody about Jesus. Imagine what God could do. I guess our challenge is let's stop imagining and let's start believing. Uh, because God does speak. And when he gives us these little urges, um, you you feel urges to to share with people. That's actually God speaking to you. How about we actually start believing and go with it when these urges come? But maybe you might say to me, Michael, I actually don't understand what you're saying. I never get any of these urges. I have no idea what you're talking about. I'm hearing your words, but it sounds a lot like blah, 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 blah. Uh, Because God just doesn't speak to me. Well, let me suggest something. Go deeper with God. Don't just stay on the surface with God. Go deeper. Uh, When you read your Bible, and I hope you're reading your Bible every day, but when you read it, don't just read it as an academic exercise or as a religious duty you have to do. Read it expecting God to speak. And as you read the Bible, pray, Lord, speak to me through your word today. How how do you want me to apply this to my life? Uh, How are you wanting me to share this with others? And when you pray, don't just pray a whole list of things that you want for yourself or for somebody else. Pray recognising that the Lord is actually the Lord and the Lord is there here and and he speaks through prayer to give us directions. Um, And pray, Lord, speak to me. Lead me in your ways. Lord, show me where you are at work around me and and help me to recognise your voice as you invite me to join you in what you're already doing. And then open your eyes and open your ears to see what God does. And you might be surprised how God does speak to you. Robin, could we pop up the ocean song again? The bridge, please. Um, The words to this song that that Joy chose, um, by the way, the music sound really good, aren't they? Yeah. But the words to this, it just really applies to this. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters 
wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander and my faith will be made stronger in the presence of my Saviour. I was just singing that today and thinking, wow, there's the sermon. There's the prayer. Let's pray then. Spirit of God, lead us where our trust is without borders. Let us walk upon the waters wherever you would call us. Take us deeper than our feet could ever wander and our faith will be made stronger in the presence of our Saviour.